0: Reading from the Possibility Thinker's Bible, the New King James Version. Introduction This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118.24 This is the day to be happy. For you, holding your hand today, God's special, special message to you. What could make the day happier than a message from the be- your best friend? Whatever greater gift could you do today than a personal word from God who created you and put you into this world? This is what you're holding in your hand, the Holy Bible, God's message to you. How do you introduce the President of the United States to American citizens? How would you introduce the Pope to Roman Catholic believers? How would you introduce the North Star to a group of astronomers? If that would be difficult, then imagine how difficult it is to introduce the Holy Bible to Christian believers. I can only share my personal story. I am immensely pleased and proud to present to you this copy of my favorite book. It has been my guiding star, my central source of divine inspiration since I was a little boy. Some children are blessed by being born into a privileged household, and such was my heritage. For no inheritance can match the value and the worth of the heritage of a godly faith in the holy book communicated to the life of a father and mother who believed in it and lived by it. Every noon and every evening, our family would gather around the humble kitchen table on our Iowa farm on a ritual that never varied. We would always pray with bald heads before we ate the food. This was a prayer for God's blessings. After the food was enjoyed, my father would reach his hand underneath the table where a secret ledge held a family Bible. Then after the entire chapter from the scripture was read, he would offer a closing prayer of thanksgiving to God for the food we have now received for the soul as well as for the body. Without fail, this happened every noon and every night, seven days a week throughout my entire childhood. Through many Years I have heard what critics have said about the sacred scriptures. I am reminded, however, of the anvil of my father's farm. Dad would often take pieces of iron, make them red hot, and then he would lift them with his tongues to the anvil, hammering and beating the red hot pieces of steel until they were shaped to form the tool that he had in mind. The hammers were out in time, the handle broke, the chunks of molten iron changed shape and moved on to find their proper place, but the anvil survived all the blows in all the years. Now as I reach the mature years of my life, I can testify that this book, like a great old anvil, has survived thousands of years and has served me better than I could ever have expected from any prime printed matter. Yes, it is my favorite book. I am convinced beyond a shadow of doubt that it is God's book the o- that only can explain why it never fails to nourish my faith. I believe in God because I have chosen this faith. I can not prove that he is alive. If proof is possible, then faith is impossible. That is the way God wants it. He wants our relationship to be built on trust, not on scientific documentation. This is the only kind of interpersonal arrangement that allows for unalloyed affection. Yet God is obligated to give a solid basis for our faith. He is morally obligated to let us know that He is alive, that He is expect what He expects from us and what we can expect from Him. For conflict within interpersonal relationship is always a result of confused expectations. Usually on the non-verbalized level. To clarify expectations in our relationship, God has written this book. It is a witness to him, his life, his work, his hopes, and his dreams. Yes, God is the supernatural possibility thinker. He has plans. He has dreams. He has hopes. In this book, we read the story of his dreams of creating a place of beauty called The universe unlimited as far as we know here we encounter his dreams of creating persons who could have a mind capable of believing in a god that is invisible to the eye here we have the marvelous story of god creating a creature called the human being who would share the divine qualities of creativity imagination and the ability to think of possibilities we see this in this book God's dream coming to its grand and glorious opening in the Garden of Eden. We read how dream fell and was broken. We see how God never gives up. Through prophets and through his centuries, he kept reaching to redeem a dream. Finally, the Father sends his Son into this world in human flesh to give him the the name Jesus. Here God fulfills his holy obligation to draw the draperies, lift the curtains, put the lights on himself, and expose his true self for all of us to behold. We look at Jesus, his life, his work, his death, his Easter resurrection, we know that indeed God is alive. Therefore, the Holy Bible is called the Sacred Scriptures. It is God's word about himself, and Christ is the word incarnate. The divine inspiration nature of the Bible becomes convincing when we remember that it is a collection of 66 books written by man as 40 authors over a period of approximately 1,600 years. I have often been asked, but how reliable is the text if it is such an ancient writing? It must have been copied and recopied so often through the centuries. Have not many errors crept in? The most exciting report I can bring in the news is that when the latest manuscripts are matched with the oldest manuscripts, few discrepancies are reflected. And those are of an extremely minor nature that in no way affect the substance of religious belief. Therefore, the latest finding are a convincing and final justification of trusting the reliability and integrity of the printed message. We can say without a risk of error that what is written in the sacred scriptures that you hold in your hand right now is, without a doubt, the authentic message that the altar is intended to convey. The enormous span of centuries gives us a beautiful illustration of how God has operated in the human family. Nothing in the sacred scriptures would lead us to believe that God is impatient. On the contrary, his patience is profound slowly gradually with a patient progressiveness he reveals himself in this holy book first in the opening chapters he reveals that he is the creative source of all life. the revelation of himself is progressive as we move through the story of abraham where god revealed himself as an ethical being and a single god we call this ethical monotheism a very remarkable and distinctive religious concept in this history of religion. But with the founding of the Hebrew faith and its concept that God was one God and a good God, a religion was established that had set faith apart from the practicing of primitive religion that employed a very variety of ab- abominations like human sacrifice and temple prostitution. Under the name and authority of religion, now through Abraham and later through the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses, God revealed to the human race, one on planet earth, that he expected a high level of human morality. Glimpses into the nature of God that were perceived by Abraham, Moses, and later by the prophets reveal him to be just a merciful father in heaven. The psalmist came to understand this and in poetry, the beauty of the Lord reaches crystal and gem-like insights of flashing glory. Yet even the Old Testament prophets at their best and the psalmist in their most positive writings lack the true knowledge of, of what the true God is like. It remained for Christ to take on the human form through the incarnation walking among the human family. If there is a God, then he is morally obligated to reveal himself in flesh and bones. Was a challenging thought that came to me early in my ministry? The answer to that is Christ. He was and is the living appearance of the eternal God to the human flesh. In the Gospel of John, he is called the Word. In him, we have the final revelation of what God is really like. Progressive revelation, cumulative in the character of the incarnated Jesus Christ. Understanding of how people respond to him and found redemption in him brings us into the New Testament epistles. Finally, the Bible closes with the hope that one day life on planet Earth will come to an end and not when the sun runs out of gas. Turning this planet Earth into a frozen black ball nor by some human catastrophe, their mononuclear war, which would destroy all human life. Instead, the same God who gave life to the creatures of the sea, the animals and the birds of the air, and finally his crowning glory, human beings will have his dream come true at last. In that final day, we shall all stand before Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So the Bible becomes a living book, not just a book of dead history, but a book alive with inspiring faith of the greatest heroes of the human family. For a start, you might want to read Hebrews chapter 11, which highlights faith, hope, and love, the central theme of scripture. Approaches the sacred scriptures to look for those coordinating themes Hope, faith, and love. See how God deals with human beings at their best and at their worst, at their sins and at their glory. And how God never gives up on human race. The principles of possibility thinking are seen so clearly in how God deals with the human family. God simply does not accept ultimate defeat. He will not surrender to those negative emotions that human beings call depression and despair. After the flood, there came the rainbow. One can see a rainbow almost every day throughout the Holy Scriptures. When you approach a well-decorated room, you will notice a single coordinated color that ties the entire decoration together. Observe the well-dressed man or woman, and you will see that there is a central color that forms the undefined theme. Color the Bible with emotions, no colors of faith, hope, and love. Look for these themes reoccurring continually. They are the redemptive emotions. Avoid being trapped by the letter of the law, but be under the captured control of the compassionate living Holy Spirit. Breathe from the true stories found in the sacred pages. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. 2 Corinthians three six. Read it and you will find that God Is at the opening of the book God is at the middle of it and God will be at the end of it God has the first word of creation and God will have the last word after human history has been fulfilled under the Lordship of Christ so let this book my favorite book God's book the Living Book become your book find in it a picture of yourself here you will see a mirror of yourself at your best and you will praise God for creating you and for creating me. Here you will see a picture of yourself at your worst and you will not be depressed for you know that God loves you even at your worst. You and I uh, at our worst are still of great worth to the Lord than among a waterfall or any bird. None of us ever without some possibility. We are not ever that can be developed under the miraculous touch of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So approach this book and do not turn it into a textbook on science. Scientists can tell as much about geology, genetics, or astronomy than the scriptures do. Do not make the mistake of trying to turn it into a chronological account of humanity on planet Earth. Look for the deeper truth that transcends such shallow presumptions. The deeper truths are that that God loves you and we should love each other too. To help this living book become your redeeming guide through life and into heaven, you will find in this special Possibility Thinker's edition, key verses highlighted for your inspiration. Commentary by my companion editor, Paul David Dunn, will help you to look for the positive thinking power that it contains in this god's very special book in the closing pages of the this special edition you will find some inspirational writings and special prayers that we trust will help you to become the great possibility thinker that god wants you to be for what is possible thinking It is believing in God, then believing in ourselves, then believing in our fellow human beings, to the end that we might create God's kingdom on earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. What is God's kingdom? It is a collection of human beings who can redeem, being redeemed from their sins, insecurity, and shame into a self-esteem instilled with the Holy Spirit. Results, we treat each other as human family a redeemed brotherhood and sisterhood. Drawn now from the power of the greatest book ever written, you will come through your own experience to share my testimony that it is the Word of God given to us for our illumination and spiritual truth, showing us the path of salvation. Let your life become a living Bible. Oh yes, we have retained the most classic of all English translations, the King James Version, with limited new reversions to carry the title, the New King James Version. To all the women who read the sacred scripture, we have left the male gender where the original text called for it. Please give us yourself a special spiritual treat. Substitute the word woman for man. When you read these pages together, we will feel that the book was written just for ourselves. Read the scriptures. The way you would solve a difficult problem. Work one part of, of it at a time. If there is a part of the problem that defies solution, leave it and come back to it later. The same way with the sacred scriptures. If there is a part of it that you find difficult to comprehend, grasp, and understand or accept, have the humility to assume that the truth is there, even if you cannot embrace it. Keep reading it And let God continue to speak to you. With that humble, faithful, believing, positive attitude, God's peace will surely fall upon you from these holy pages. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God grant unto you His peace in your going out and your coming in and your lying down and your rising up in your labor and in your leisure. In your laughter and in your tears until you come to stand before jesus in the day of which there is no sunset and no dawning amen god loves you and so do i robert schuler that was the introduction to the bible the possibility thinkers And it has a host of commentaries for possibility thinking. For instance, the faith of Abraham. streams of living water. Let my people go. God's covenant, forgiveness. Two spies, water from a rock. Allow God. Alive and flowing. No one is too far from God. Love. A peak-to-peak experience. Women of positive faith. Gideon and the Midianites. David and Goliath. Peace is all, all in the word. Peace is all in the word. Let's go ahead and read that. That's 319. We'll get a taste of what the commentary has to say on that particular verse. Thank you for hanging in with me. I have had this Bible since 1986. It was given to me by a church widow she was the favorite of all the singles we would go to her house sing songs have bible studies and barbecue and she just loved the singles a a widow by the name of lydia sounds pretty pretty cool huh 319 sounds almost biblical and it was lady was extremely holy and kind And I was reading the Bible and I kept looking at it. She says, you want it? And she signed it and gave it over to me because it said, Possibility Thinker's Bible. Peace, it's all in the word. When God gives you his word, we know he will keep it. His word is in fact, a work already accomplished. It is known that in biblical times, The spoken word carried with it the same credibility as a legal written contract. Verbal oaths were binding agreements between two parties. In the speaking of the word, the work was literally accomplished. Again, in the speaking of the word, the work was literally accomplished. This is still evident in the Middle East today. The common greeting, peace be with you and peace be with you also is exchanged primarily among friends for the speaking of the word. Peace actually establishes peace. Again, saying the word peace establishes the word peace. In fact, should a disagreement break out between friends or even new acquaintance, it is not uncommon for either party to ask for his peace back. The other person must return to peace with the phrase, I give your peace back to you. <laughs> Unlike the peace of man, God promises forever. He will never take his peace from us. For he said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, John fourteen twenty seven. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, John 14, 1. What is peace? Peace is the inner knowledge that your relationship with God is secure. It is the assurance that your sins are forgiven, your life is clean and new. Peace, it's all in the Word, and the living Word is the person and work of Jesus Christ. Look to Him for peace with God and peace with others. God's peace is eternal and will bring us into a loving, lasting relationship with Him forever. It's interesting that the word peace, I believe, has a lot of subcategories like adventure, help, resources. So when we look unto Jesus, he is the peace of our faith. He is. The, he is. So how do we look unto Jesus? Well, reading his word it culminates in imagination of his character in us, kind of like a blueprint. And then we uh, we tend to believe what we just read. And then it stays with us and inspires us. And then we take action by speaking properly and praising him and acting holy. And then fate comes. Fate comes to us as a reward for our actions that we did something towards believing what we just read. Sounds good to me. I'll put that in my tea and drink it. All right. All right. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Today's I'm going to uh, put right after this, I have a 30 minute reading right out of this Bible, which are those prayers that I did earlier. And that's part of this. So my, my job is to put the whole Bible uh, on here and read all these commentaries for possibility thinking. Isn't that wonderful? And I like the way the, uh, may the Lord bless you. Let's see. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God grant unto you his peace in your going out and in your coming in, in your lying down and in your rising up, in your labor and in your leisure, in your laughter and in your tears, until you come to stand before Jesus in that day in which there is no sunset and no dawning. Amen. All right now, thank you so much. Dreaming God's Dream Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Ephesians 4.23 What is the purpose of life anyway? Only to drink, eat, work, play, make love? Or do you have a brain designed to dream dreams? Is your mind created to be an architect, drawing plans? Can you imagine beautiful accomplishments? Think of this. The human being is the only creature in the universe that has the capacity for exercising creative imagination. This divine quality of dreaming, what you want to be, where you want to go, what you love to do, projects you hope to achieve goals you like to reach. All of this makes you human and the most unique creature in all creation. You are really made in the image of the creator God. So you are fulfilling your destiny. As a child of God in human flesh, when you start dreaming the beautiful dreams, God himself is inspiring in your mind. A radio is designed to pick up the sounds that are here in this room now. A television is engineered to pick up the moving pictures that are in the airwaves around you now. Your mind was invented and created by God to pick up the messages and mental pictures he is sending your way. That's exciting. Faith is dreaming God's dreams. breathing your native air. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. It is terribly important to understand that a believer is a normal person. Faith is the mark of normality. A persistently negative and cynical attitude is a mark of emotional illness. Birds were designed to fly. The air under the wings of a bird is a natural habitat of the flying fall. Water is a natural habitat for fish. Faith is a native air to be breathed in and out by human beings. It is normal to have faith, it is abnormal to be cynical. Therefore, you welcome all stimuli that would encourage you to have faith. Reject all negative forces that would destroy faith and replace it with unbelief. When you practice positive belief, you are more controlled by positive emotions. Love, joy, courage, faith, enthusiasm. These are the qualities of an emotional healthy person. Persons who are not breathing the natural air of faith but are breathing the polluted air of doubt and unbelief are quickly susceptible to a lower morality. They are quickly consumed by negative emotions, all of which are measured and marked as symptoms of something less than true wholeness and health as a human being. You were created to be a believer. That is finding your native air. That's why you feel so great when you're optimistic. Thank you, Father, for causing us to be a normal, healthy human beings by motivating us to walk the walk of faith. Amen. Wanting more out of life. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Our native air, faith, is a choice, not an argument. It is a decision, not a debate. It is a commitment, not a controversy. Faith fulfills more need in your heart than anything else. It can be defined as wanting more out of life. Even the super affluent are attracted to fate. They soon realize that all of their wealth, social standing, and personal power leave a void in their lives. When you have more money, then you can enjoy what is left. St. Augustine said, Our souls are restless till they rest in thee. We suspect that out there, somewhere, there is always something more. From where does this intuition for something more come? It is built into our nature. The human being called an incurably religious animal by instincts and nature. The human being has been called as an incurable religious animal by instinct and nature. Be careful what you want, you'll get it. Wanting is believing, and believing produces results. Strong faith is often the expression of deep desire. Likewise, doubt is the lack of desire. A host of conscious or subconscious forces can keep you from wanting to believe. Fears of what God might do to your life or in your life can keep you from wanting to believe. Innerized guilt can make the possibility of God a threatening concept. Deep seated negative emotions can kill the desires to believe leaving you with a negative inclination to doubt. Having trouble believing? Why do you want to believe? Our Bible verse contains God's promise of blessings upon faith. God promises to bless the person who has strong desires. This is because in God's eye, desire and faith are one and the same. He shall give you the desires of your heart. So delight yourself in the Lord. Rejoice and count your blessings. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and thank Him, and He will give you the desires of your heart. God is not the God of the dead, but of the God of the living. There lives more faith in honest doubt than in half the creeds, Alfred Lord Tennyson wrote in the Memoriam. I find that some people who have serious questions about the existence of God want desperately to believe. Their probing inquiry reflects thoughtful doubt. Actually, they are far more responsible and serious in the pursuit of a commitment to God than those who blindly recite cold creeds without really daring to explore the tough questions. Doubt can be a positive force when we learn to doubt our doubts and have faith in our faith. Again, Doubt can be a positive force when we learn to doubt our doubts and have faith in our faith. It, it, is, it is quite apparent that the believer in God and the Bible has a strong a foundation for a rational system of belief as any doubter has for the philosophy of irreligion he has fabricated. Faith in God will increase your moral strength, increase your days of joy, reduce your days of despair. I never seen a person who has been more respected as a leader in the philosophy of faith of religion than Jesus Christ. Jesus believes in God. He believed in prayer. He believed in heaven and hell and eternal life. He believed in salvation. He believed in every single human being. He believed in possibility thinking, and he believed in faith. If your doubts collide and clash with the viewpoints of Jesus Christ, it is a better part of wisdom to believe the believer and doubt the doubter. Then you are on your way to a great life.
1: Becoming normal. And
0: when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. In a Broadway play called The Man of La Mancha, Don Quixote is near death. He has been mocked and scorned because he is such a positive thinker. Finally, in a splendid self-defense, he asks the ultimate question, Who is crazy? I ask you, who is crazy? Am I crazy because I see the world as it could become? Or is the world crazy because it only sees itself as it is? Who is normal? The cynic or the believer? The positive thinker or the negative thinker? The believer in God or the atheist? The despairing pessimist or the hopeful optimist? By now, we know, all of us, we know the answer. We must affirm that health is normal and sickness is abnormal. The basic value judgment is beyond controversy. Unbelief, unbelieving is a sickness, and skepticism is damnably dangerous. It gives birth to a multitude of spiritual demons that can malignantly destroy your mental health and spread an epidemic of despair wherever you go. As soon as you surrender yourself to negative thoughts, you become host to an infectious spiritual disease and become the carrier of another epidemic of gloom and doom. It is normal for a child to dance and laugh and play. It is normal for a child to be It is not normal for a child to be downcast, morbid, withdrawn, and sulking in isolation. It is normal to be a happy believer. Who is crazy, the realist or the idealist? The answer is obvious. The beautiful dreamer, with his exalted visions of glorious possibilities, is the uplifting force in society. He comes bringing solutions. He then becomes the great physician, the healing source, the hopeful friend, who we can follow him. His name, Jesus, the Lord, my Savior, my friend. thinking God's thoughts For I know the thoughts I think towards you says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope Jeremiah 29:11 For I am considering these thoughts that I'm thinking towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Each new year is an appointment to become an authentic optimist. Each new day is justification for being enthusiastic about life again. Each dawning is God's invitation to start over and build a new life, beginning with the present moment. Every new week is an opportunity to make new and noble resolutions. Every Monday morning you have a standing appointment to meet new opportunities. What does it mean to have faith? faith is opening your mind for god's thoughts to flow in and when his thoughts flow in life will change for you will have a dream you will see possibilities in the day the week the month the year that is waiting to unfold faith moves mountains The greatest power in the world is a positive idea. And the most powerful positive idea is one that comes directly from the God who created the world and broke sunshine through the black of night. Today, I will thank God's thoughts. This very moment, I will open my mind to let God's thoughts enter my brain. I will listen to the idea that comes from God and it will turn me into a new and different person. I feel a freshness and a newness coming over me now as God's thoughts begin to take control over my consciousness. I am, set free, liberated by new thoughts that come from God. Now I know what possibility thinking is. It is the mental activity that happens when I let faith take over. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I am being born again. Your Holy Spirit is filling my mind with your thoughts. I am excited about today, and I am excited about my future.
1: Amen.
0: A prayer for guidance. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. The walk of faith is an adventure in a holy partnership. We are human beings with mortal starting points at birth and a mortal terminal point at death. The span between our birth and death is our earthly life. We purpose is to fit into a holy scheme scheme, and become a participator with God. He created the world and all of us human beings for the purpose of creatively achieving His holy and happy purposes. We are walking the walk of faith when we dream God's dreams and seek God's guidance. Therefore, faith is not merely a super-aggressive activity into which you plunge with a gung-ho attitude to achieve the first impulse that explodes in your mind. Rather, faith is a steady, stable, and steadfast process of opening your conscious and subconscious mind through prayer to the Holy Spirit. The eternal God will shape your will and direct your way. God promises He will give you guidance. In the depths of our heart, we know with an unflinching certainty and with an invincible awareness the course of action life must take. This is God Himself answering our prayers for guidance. He gives us a strong and powerful will to proceed along the determined pathway. Consider these prayers of affirmation. I am driven by a divine destiny. I am praying for guidance now. I am opening my mind consistently and constantly to God. The way the tip of a branch is unseemly alert and responsive to the wind. Amen. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God. Faith is not merely thinking holy and happy thoughts. God's thoughts must take the form of a good and godly goals. No act of faith is more dynamic, more constructive than setting incredible goals. Have you noticed how negative thinkers avoid setting goals? Goals, who needs them? I'll just wing it. Thank you, I prefer to roll with the punches. I don't want to get trapped by a commitment. Isn't that what happens when you set a goal? I had enough disappointments, I don't want to be set up only to be let down. Goals, no more failures, thank you. Failure is not a matter of failing to meet your goal. Failure is not making the most of the possibilities seen and unseen, known and unknown, in your present and in your future. Use faith to set positive goals, and you'll be sure to rise to the higher plateau, I guarantee that. When you set a challenging goal, you'll be farther ahead tomorrow than you are today. Even a little can turn out to be a lot. You'll be happier person. Someone stopped me recently and asked, Why do you always seem to be in such a happy mode? mood? My answer, because I always got unfulfilled goals and my goals distract me from my worries. You will feel that your life has value. If you have goals, you are bound to inspire somebody who is hurting. You will discover your own worth. Goals, what are they anyway? They are impossible problems awaiting to be solved by someone with the incredible power called fate. So get set to set goals and move upward. Get set, ready, goals. committed to action, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. Go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. Miracles never happen just through meditation, but with mighty action, read carefully in the gospel the words of Jesus and notice the verbs, follow, go, seek, Ask, knock. I said, consider the words that Jesus used, the verbs. Jesus said, follow, go, seek, ask, knock. The walk of faith is not merely the serene, silent, spiritual, unspeaking stroll of a holy man in the stillness of the sunrise or the secret silence of the sunset. Faith is the mental activity that draws God into our mind and imagination until a passion begins to inflame our wills, motivating us to action. It is then that the commitment is made. And what is a commitment? It is entering into an honorable contract. Pledging oneself before the problems are solved. Every commitment generates a new set of problems. And if we wait until we saw solutions to problems before we made the commitment, we would obviously not be walking the walk of faith. It is for the reason that commitment in marriage and religion, in interpersonal relationships and in devotion and dedication to your career goal or the fulfillment of a project becomes self-inspiring. Walk the walk of faith today, making a fresh commitment to God, saying prayerfully and sincerely, God, I am ready to take the plunge. Give me the push that I need. And I am trusting that you will help, will tackle every problem with your help at every turn of the road with a positive mental attitude. Together, we will succeed joyfully. Amen. Merging to make miracles. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be the slave of all. It takes two to make a miracle. When a believing human being merges his will with God's powers, miracles happen. Miracles require faith, and faith is often spelled W-O-R-K. There is great misconception today that fate is simply a matter of asking God to perform a miracle, sitting back and waiting for it to happen. Don't be misled. Prosperous, wealthy Christians, people don't become great by manipulating perhaps dishonestly to get to the top of the ladder. They work for it after they pray through their plans. Jesus himself encourages the pursuit of greatness, but our Lord makes it clear that the pathway to success is the path of service. If you want to be great, be prepared to be a servant. This works in the business world too, In a free economy, people buy only the products and services that meet their needs. The professional person who becomes ego-involved instead of human-service-oriented soon finds himself in trouble. Great things happen when we follow our prayers with hard work. Work means serving, and serving involves thinking about other needs and meeting them at their level. Today, I ask yourself, Have I been sitting back just waiting for God to pour out blessings in my life without making any effort myself? Am I willing to merge with God to make a miracle? I believe it will happen as I become a servant. Knowing
1: it
0: can be done. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 Faith is an inner conviction. It is an unshakable assurance. It is the profound knowing that comes before reality confirms it. Faith is a sense of destiny. It's possible. It's going to happen. Faith is knowing that you can do it. The person who walks the walk of faith knows he can solve his problem. He knows that he can detach himself from that awful habit. He knows he can extricate himself with his negative enslavements. The person who walks the walk of faith faces his projects, affirming, I know I can do it if God will help me, and I am sure God wants to help me. I know I can do it when I'm totally dedicated to Him, which I really am. I know I can do it after everything is in readiness, and I am trusting God to help me get my act together. I know I can do it only with the help of my Lord. He is my best friend. He wants me to succeed. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know it's possible after all. Deep down in my heart, we know it will work out. An unquenchable confidence keeps filling our feelings that we are going to make it. Again and again, the person who succeeds did so because he or she didn't know it was impossible. Leaping into the unknown. So he, leaping up, stood up and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Faith is often called a leap. How appropriate? How else could you possibly move from one point to another when there is no direct link? How do you cross over a crevice when there is no bridge? Faith is leaping across gaps that exist between the known and the unknown, the proven and the unproven, the actual and the possible, the grasp and the reach, the I got it and the I want it, the knowledge and the mystery, the material reality and the spiritual reality, the truth exposed and the truth undiscovered, the goals achieved and the goals Still pursuit. Faith is leaping across gaps that exist between youth and maturity, sickness and death, sin and forgiveness. Faith is leaping across gaps that exist between life and death, time and eternity. Yes, there is always a chasm between today and tomorrow, I cannot be sure I can cope with tomorrow, but by running leap, I will jump into tomorrow with expectancy. There is always a chasm between my present achievement and my unfulfilled hopes and dreams. By faith, I make the leap now and grow. There is always a chasm between where I am at and where I am going. By faith, I make the leap forward. What lies ahead tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, beyond this life? I believe in faith. I believe in believers. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in tomorrow. I believe in love. I believe God loves me. I believe God is good all the time. I believe God's plans for my life. He delights himself In my plans, when I make preparation, God delights himself in my preparation. He sees my faith. I am going to take the leap of faith and believe I can do all things through Christ who
1: strengthens me.
0: Greetings, we today will be reading from the Positive Thinker's Bible. It's an old Robert Schuller's Crystal Cathedral edition, 1985, I believe, of the New King James. And back of that Bible, they have articles about faith, wanting more out of life. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4. Faith is a choice, not an argument. It is a decision, not a debate. It is a commitment, not a controversy. Faith fulfills some need in your heart. It can be defined as wanting more out of life. Even the superfluent are attracted to fate. They soon realize that all of their wealth, social standing, and personal power leave a void in their lives. When you have more money than you can enjoy, what is left? St. Augustine said, Our souls are restless till they rest in thee. We suspect that out there, somewhere, there is always something more. From where does this intuition for something more come? It is built into our nature. The human being has been called an incurable religious animal by instinct and nature. Be careful, excuse me, be careful what you want, you'll get it. Wanting is believing, and believing produces results. Strong faith is often an expression of deep desire. Likewise, doubt is the lack of desire. A host of conscience or subconscious forces can keep you from wanting to believe. Fears of what God might do to your life or in your life can keep you from wanting to believe. Innerized guilt can make the possibility of God a threatening concept. Deep-seated negative emotions can kill the desire to believe, leaving you with a negative inclination to doubt. Having trouble believing? Why don't you want to believe? A Bible verse contains God's promises of blessings upon faith. God promises to bless the person who has strong desires. This is because in God's eyes, desire and faith are one in the same. He shall give you the desires of your heart. Let me read that again. I love this article. Beautiful, wonderful article. Wanting more out of life. Strong faith is often the expression of a deep desire. The scripture is, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Be careful what you want. You'll get it. Wanting is believing and believing produces results. Strong faith is often the expression of deep desire. Likewise, doubt is the lack of desire. A host of conscious or subconscious forces can keep you from wanting to believe. Fears of what God might do to your life or in your life can keep you from wanting to believe. Innerized guilt can make the possibility of God a threatening concept. Deep-seated negative emotions can kill the desires to believe, leaving you with a negative inclination to doubt. Having trouble believing? Why don't you want to believe? Our Bible verses contain God's promises of blessing upon faith. God promises to bless the person who has strong desires. This is because God's eyes, desires, and faith are one and the same. He shall give you the desires of your heart. Our next article is called Breathing Your Native Air. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus Christ, John 10, 10, It's terribly important to understand that a believer is a normal person. Fate is the mark of normality. A persistently negative and cynical attitude is a mark of emotional illness. Birds were designed to fly. The air under the wings of a bird is a natural habitat of the flying fowl. Water is the natural habitat of the fish. Of the fish, faith is the native air to be breathed in and out by human beings. Water is the natural habitat of the fish. Faith is the native air to be breathed in and out by human beings. It is normal to have faith. It is abnormal to be cynical. Therefore you welcome all stimuli that would encourage you to have faith. Reject all negative forces that would destroy faith and replace it with unbelief. When you practice positive belief, you are more controlled by positive emotions. That's love, joy, courage, faith, and enthusiasm. Positive emotions. These are the qualities of an emotional healthy person. Persons who are not breathing the natural air of faith, but are breathing the polluted air of doubt and unbelief are quickly susceptible to a lower morality. They are quickly consumed by negative emotions, all of which are measured and marked as symptoms of something less than true wholeness and health as a human being. You were created to be a believer. Faith is finding your negative air. That's why you feel so great when you're optimistic. Thank you, Father, for causing me to be a normal, healthy human being by motivating me to walk the walk of faith. Amen. Dreaming God's dream. That's what faith is. Ephesians 4.23 Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What's the purpose of life anyway? Only to eat, drink, work, play, make love? Or do you have a brain designed to dream dreams? Is your mind created to be an architect, drawing plans? Can you imagine beautiful accomplishments? Think of this. The human being is the only creature in the universe that has the capacity for exercising creative imagination. This divine quality, this divine quality of dreaming, what you want to be, where you want to go, what you love to do, projects you hope to achieve, goals you like to reach, all of this makes you human and the most unique creature in all of creation. You really are made in the image of the Creator God. So you are fulfilling your destiny as a child of God in human flesh. When you start dreaming the beautiful dreams, God himself is inspiring in your mind. A radio is designed to pick up the sounds that are here in this room now. A television is engineered to pick up the moving pictures that are in the airwaves around you now. Your mind was invented and created by God to pick up the messages and mental pictures he is sending your way. That's exciting. Fate is dreaming God's dreams. Fate is doubting your doubts. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living, Matthew twenty-two thirty-two. There lives more faith in honest doubt than in half the creeds. Alfred Lord Tennyson wrote in Memoriam, I find that some people who have serious questions about the existence of God want desperately to believe. Their probing inquiry reflects doubtful doubt. Actually, they are far more responsible and serious in their pursuit of a commitment to God than those who blindly recite cold creeds without really daring to explore the thought questions the tough questions. 1 John chapter 4 Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming, and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God, he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who, know, who love is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this is the love of God, was manifested towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son To Be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so love us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and that he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. God loves you, and so do I. One day, while teaching in the temple, Jesus was asked by a Pharisee, "Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law?" Jesus replied, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind." Matthew 22:36 and 37. Then he added, "And the second is like it: You shall love your neighbor as yourself." Matthew 22:39. This term "like" can be understood as equal. The two commandments are contingent, each dependent upon the other. Jesus lived a life that was worthy of his this teaching, for throughout his ministry his goal was to reveal the love of God, of the Father, through his love for all people. He taught his disciples, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you, John 15, 9. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, John 13, 34. The supreme act of love came when Jesus willingly died on the cross to bring us into an intimate relationship with the Father. Through the cross, Jesus declared his love for all people. Because of his love in our lives, we now can love each other. The cross itself symbolizes the relationship of love. Like the vertical post of the cross, our lives must receive the love of God from above. Then, like outstretched arms in a horizontal position, we can extend this love to others. As God loves us, so we should love each other. Our lives can reflect this relationship because from the love of God we receive the feeling of self worth that enables us to love other people without the fear of rejection. Then we can live a life which truly really says, God loves you and so do I. And The second reading of that chapter is, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because love involves, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has not seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Let me read that again. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he he has seen, How can he love God whom he has not seen And this commandment we have from him that he loves God that he who loves God must love his brother also amen the word of the Lord thanks be to God thank you for listening folks God bless you take care welcome to today's podcast I'm Fernando your host Thank you for coming in, into this meeting. Let's go ahead and open it with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us for our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What I'm going to be doing today is reading excerpts from the book of Isaiah and see how far we get. So thank you so much for listening in to the Word of God and hope you get something out of it like I will. In Isaiah, I'll just read the scripture. Learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up unto the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem." In that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and appealing for those of Israel who have escaped. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she and Anne shall call his name Emmanuel. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nations and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leper shall lie down with the young goat. Reading of John chapter 14 The Way, the Truth, and the Life. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, does the works believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves most assuredly I say to you he who believes in me the works that I do he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father and whatever you ask in my name that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells in you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see Me no more. But you will see Me, because I live. You will live also. At that day you will know that I am in My Father, and you in Me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him he who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine but the father who sent me these things i have spoken to you while being present with you but the helper the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world give do I, I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing on me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Rise. Let us go from here. Chapter 15 The True Vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. you are my friends if you do what I ever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit shall remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my words, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my namesake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also if i had not done any done among them the works which no one else did they would have no sin but now they have seen and also hated both me and my father but this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law they hated me without a cause But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Chapter 16 These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues, yes, the time is coming, that whoever kills you will think that he is offered God's service. And these things they will do to you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asked, where are you going? But because you said these things to you, I said them, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of the world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you the things to come he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you all things that the father has are mine therefore i said that he will take of mine and declare it to you A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he says? A little while, we do not know what he is saying. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourself about what I said? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her house has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. And in that day you will ask me nothing." Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Unless you have asked nothing in my name until now, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I no longer speak to you in figurative language. But I will tell you plainly about the Father in that day you will ask in my name and i do not say to you that i shall pray the father for you for the father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that i came from forth from god i came forth from the high from the father and have come into the world again i leave this world and go to the father his disciples said to him see Now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. We are now sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations, but be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus prays for himself. John 17 Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, given me to do and now O father glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was I have mentioned to your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world they were yours you gave them to me and they have kept your word now they have known that all things which you gave given me are from you For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all of mine are yours, and all yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, But these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. As for their sake, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Jesus prays for all believers. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Now, a reading from the book of First John, Chapter One. What was heard that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. All these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declared to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Chapter 2. My little children, these things I write to you, that you may not sin, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the appropriation of our sins, and not for ours only, but for all the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no commandment to you, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which which things is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young man, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young man, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the devil, the wicked one. Little children, it is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is a Christ? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He has promised to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teaches you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and it's true, and it's not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world knows not us, because it did not know him. Chapter 3 Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed that we, what we shall be but we know that when he is revealed we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure whoever commits sin and and also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness and if you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor know him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, but his seed remain in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. And this is the children of God and the children of the devil are manifested. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain who has who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you, we know that we have passed from death to life, because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you will know that no murderer has eternal life abundant abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has his world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, if our hearts does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is a commandment, that we should believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandments. the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know that the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in this world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know that the spirit of truth and the the spirit of error Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the appropriation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Seeing God Through Love No one has ever seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God. And God in Him. The commandment of love. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. By this, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, but he is a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has not seen as he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And and this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Chapter 5, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves Him who begotten also loves Him who is begotten of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome for whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith who is he who overcomes the world but he who also believes that Jesus is the son of God a certain the certainly of God's witness This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit of truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who abides in the Son of God has a witness to himself. He who does not believe God has been made a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given uh, of us, of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have spoken to you to, to your who believe in the name. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have been you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. If anyone sees a brother sinning, a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for the, those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin and there is sin not leading to death. Knowing the true reject. The false, knowing the true and rejecting the false. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the world, the whole world, lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come into. And has given us eternal understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in Christ who is true and his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. Let me go ahead and read that again. Number 20. And we know that the son of God has come and he has given us an understanding. That we may know him who is true and... We are in Him who is true, and in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Amen and amen. Glorify the Father in this reading that has given thanks for His pure joy. Thank you. God loves you, and so do I. One day, while teaching in the temple, Jesus was asked by a Pharisee, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Then he added, And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This term, like, can be understood as equal. The two commandments are contingent, each dependent upon the other. Jesus lived a life that was worthy of his teaching, for throughout his ministry his goal was to reveal the love of God through his love for all people. He taught his disciples, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. The supreme act of love came when jesus willingly died on the cross to bring us into an intimate relationship with god through the cross jesus declared his love for all people because of his love in our lives we now can love each other the cross itself symbolizes the relationship of love like the vertical post of the cross our lives must receive the love of god from above then like outstretched arm in a horizontal position we can extend this love to others as God loves us so we should love one another our lives can reflect this relationship because from the love of God we receive the feeling of self-worth that enables us to love other people without the fear of rejection Then we can live a life which truly says, God loves you and so do I. Amen. God loves you and so do I. In reading the book of John, the first John one through five, I have found that it, it enables me to, to be, I guess, full of God's love. The words go in and they do their work, excuse me. At first, the words are hard to read, it's hard to concentrate, but as I read 1 John 1 through 5, and I know, and I need to act and believe that the love of God is taking place, that the words I'm eating or reading, they're doing their work. The love of God is coming out. I know from experience, from reading 1 John 1 through 5, almost for a whole year, 90% of the time, that the love of God did miracles Um, and continues to do miracles. At first, it's hard. It seems like it's not working. It's just like medicine. Or like when you have an injury and you're stretching it, oh, it hurts. It hurts. And the next day, it feels like it didn't do any good. The next few days, you say, this exercise is not doing any good. It's hurting it more. But then when you get some rest about the third day, you're up and running and didn't even notice you had an injury. Taking the medicine is doing the hard work of reading God's word. And it isn't difficult for us. It becomes a pleasure. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this is the love of God which was manifested towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation for our sins. Beloved, if God so love us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son as Savior to the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in God. And we know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him, who is begotten of him. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begotten also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that he that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is true. For there are three who bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of man, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son of life, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life.